I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back. Hour number two and the final one for another week here. KSL Outdoors Radio. Tim Hughes, Russ Smith still here. We're recording the program this week on Wednesday because I'm sneaking out of town for a couple of days. But uh, recorded, of course, to air as live on Saturday morning. You get a kick out of that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. In fact, I got my sleeping bag right underneath the counter. <laughs> Russ is still here. Navidomskis has gone back to class. He has left the building. Uh, let's see what's coming up in the show this week. I'm sure you've got the... Uh, text photo yeah. of Bob Grove standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. It's always good pictures. I, I treasure mine because I have my brother Robin with me, you know, and we're there. And uh, It's a great – you got to stop there. If you even get close to it, go out of your way. It's a good It's a good vibe there on that corner. they got music going. they yeah. got a uh, shop right there. You can go in and buy stuff. And, uh, for Eagles fans. For the Eagles, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. But there, it was a picture of uh, Bob standing there with his wife, Susan. I sent a note, uh, text back and said, who's the uh, who's stalker? The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she said, he won't leave me alone. He's got his hands all over <laughs> uh, So anyway, I, I mentioned that because he's unavailable today. He's handling a tour of Route 66. So we'll be checking in with Mark Wade for this week's road trip and segment coming up in a minute. Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge will join us. Uh, he's had a week full of fun out there on the side-by-sides. Cold mornings, though. Mm. They were below freezing the last time I checked in with him. So uh, we'll find out what the uh, fall color looks yeah. like up there and some uh, look ahead at uh, some snowmobile deals that he's working on. And then you brought some gadgets in this morning. I'm looking forward to hearing more about some of the new toys yeah, I, for I folks that want to play in the outdoors but still be able to connect. A, it was a big mistake when I became a Garmin dealer. <laughs> <laughs> because you oh, man. you get all yeah. the advance notice on new toys. I get the new stuff. I bought these these communicators like two months ago. Yeah. And I, I just just to wait till they came out, so I was sure to get some in. Well, the other thing is then you have to convince Mama that they must be tested in the field. Yeah. I, well, I'm, yeah. yeah. Head, <laughs> head out to the West Desert yeah. for a while. Let's get things started here, though, with uh, the avian... Conservation Program Coordinator, quite a title for Russell Norvell, who uh, joins us now from the Division of Wildlife Resources. Russ, meet Russ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing fantastic. Faith thought it might be a good idea to get together with you to uh, talk about something that we always mention this time of year, and that is uh, making sure that hunters down in the uh, Zion area are not hunting with lead bullets to protect 
the condors. But I kind of wanted to start with you specifically talking about the condor population. It's one of the real attractions down there these days, which is saying something since they were uh, an endangered species back in 1967. Well, and they still are endangered. There's only 114 of them in the uh, Utah-Arizona population, so they're still they're recovering. They're slowly make, clawing their way back, but with a bird that only breeds once every couple of years, even, if, even when it's in a hurry, it takes a while to build a population back. Yeah, so in 1982, there were 22 of them left. Now you said how many? Uh, 114 in our Arizona-Utah population. There are several population uh, centers around. There's one in California. There's one in the Baja is one up by the uh, Oregon border now as well. Yeah. But in our population here in Arizona, Utah, um, that's where we've got currently about 114 birds. Um, and we're, we're starting to see actual wild reproduction, so they're not all coming from the captive breeding program anymore either. How do you track them? Are, are they banded somehow? Or are they GPSed? Both. They are, all are banded. Um, even the wild the wild-raised uh, young, we do work to capture those and get bands on them. And we do put telemetry on them, satellite telemetry, whatever we can. Um, those are uh, expensive units. You know, they, they run about 3500 bucks a pop, a pop um, and they don't last forever. So there's, there is some churn, but that's how we keep track of them as best we can. Um, the VHF uh, receivers, of course, are really challenging in canyon country with all the cliffs that reflect uh, and around. So hall of mirrors for for VHS folks. Are, are these birds, uh, do they migrate? I, I don't think they do, do they? They do not. They are okay. resident, although they do shift their activity centers uh. with season. Uh, so they'll they'll shift a little bit further south come winter and, and lower elevation as well. But they'll also move to take advantage of hunting season, of course. Okay. And so that's where Utah really, they uh, move up on the Kolob and upper in the Zion hunt unit. Um, that's probably their favorite spot now. And over... Mm the decades that we've been doing this here for this population, they have over time shifted more and more of their time into Utah and further north, which is a great kind of expansion of the population. Hmm. Um, Give people an idea for those that have never seen one in the wild, the size of these guys. Oh, they are, you know, like they say about the size of a small car. Uh, It's uh, about a 10 foot wingspan and a body that's nearly five feet long. Uh, It's a, it's an amazing sight. I think one of the first condors I saw personally when I moved to state flew in on on Angel's Landing, and it was like a small plane had come over top uh, (laughs) with the shadow. I mean, it really kind of made me duck for a sec. But uh, yeah, the big wing tags, the numbered wing tags, kind of are a dead giveaway. Like that's a condor, you bet. (laughs) All right, so that raises the next question: How close have you been to one? in the banding process, and I don't know that I'd want to be near the nest when Mama comes home. Yeah, no, I've, we don't band them on the nest. Those are typically very inaccessible ledges or crevices, um, and we wait till the young is fledged, and then uh, we'll work to capture it uh, safely without harming it, obviously, um, to put a banding net to, to band it then. I've, I've been able, in my position, I've been lucky enough to be able to handle condors um, in part of the Part of some of the trapping, we do have to trap them. Like I said, sort of replace the the satellite telemetry units on them uh, from time to time, and occasionally to bring them in for veterinary care uh, when they do get lead poisoning. It's not always an acute, fast thing. Um, you can have chronic exposure as well. That will show up in weird behaviors, lethargy, etc. And we'll bring them back in when we have to, only when we have to. Uh, for veterinary care, so uh, basically blood chelation to get the lead 
out of their system. Mm. All right, that's the perfect transition to talking about why we are concerned about uh, hunters using something other than lead bullets, because if they use lead and, you know, their uh, kill stays out there or the gut pile stays out there and then the condors come in and do their feeding, that's where the problems begin. Exactly, yeah, that is that is the leading cause of death for uh, condors in our population is poisoning from spent ammunition, lead ammunition. Um, and that's why we've been working with Arizona in part two to have a voluntary uh, voucher program so hunters with tags in the Zion hunt, area hunt unit can get access to a voucher for a, a free box of non-lead ammunition that they're, we encourage them to use because really we want to have hunters on the landscape successful and uh, leaving that sort of healthy food source for the condors out there. That's what we'd love to see. It's the lead-infused, uh, if you will, uh, carcasses that we would like to also incentivize getting off the landscape. So if hunters do choose to use lead, and it's an option, obviously, um, not a ban or anything like that, it's a it's an option that we'd like to see them exercise. And so we do incentivize folks bringing their gut piles off the mountain if they've got if they've used lead um, by having a, a drawing. And we'll we provide uh, incentives in the form of I guess five different uh, or yeah five. Uh, $800 vouchers for rifles. Hmm. So. Oh, yeah, and there's also, uh, so we'll talk about a couple of uh, checkpoints here in just a second. There's also um, uh, a way for them to enter to win some prizes from the Peregrine Fund. Exactly. That's the, Those are the uh, the rifles I mentioned. Those are donations from the Peregrine Fund, um, and they are, we're grateful for their help and support and to help incentivize good behaviors. It takes a while to change folks' minds, um, and I know that a lot of hunters have a favorite way of doing things, so it's uh, it takes a bit to convince folks that this is a new tr- to, try out, to try out this new thing and give it a shot. Uh, so we do pr- pay for those uh, the free box of ammunition, and then for folks who either use the ammunition in the field and or uh, bring a, bring their lead gut piles out from the field, bring it to a check station or one of our DWR offices, we will give them an entry into the drawing for those rifles. Yeah, and coming up, uh, beginning as early as October 8th, 9th, and then October 12th of the other, there are two locations for checkpoints. One is at the intersection of Yellow Jacket Road and Hancock Road, which is uh, just outside the entrance, well, about three and a half miles outside the entrance of Coral Pink Sand Dunes. The other is, is on SR-14 in uh, Cedar Canyon, east of Cedar City, about a mile east of Canyon Park. So a couple of things, and if you want to find out more information, obviously the best way to do it is to go to wildlife.utah.gov. Always uh, grateful for the work you do when nobody's around watching, Russ, but we appreciate your time here and sharing uh, some of the knowledge of what you've learned along the way from studying these condors. It really is something. Thank you very much for your time and attention. We're, great, we're grateful for the help. Get the word out. Russ Norville joining us, uh, the Avian Conservation Program Coordinator for the DWR. When we come back, we'll do a little road tripping with Mark Wade. Stay with it. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It is time once again to do a little road trip in here. Bob's on the road and unavailable, so we'll check in with Mark. On the road again. 
just can't wait. Talking about Mark Wade, road tripping with Bob and Mark.com. We're going to talk about some of your favorite places, Russell. Yep. Anything in Utah is my favorite place. I know it is. When's Willie going to call and tell us to quit using this song? I'm waiting for that. <laughs> He's going to be asking for uh, residuals and yeah, royalties. Come on in, Willie. <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah, old Willie. Uh, Mark, good morning. Good morning to you. How's how's the morning going for you? Going well. Uh, I, Bob's on the road with another tour this week. Matter of fact, he sent us a photo of uh, him standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine place to be. Yeah. He, he uh, <laughs> along with Susan, were down there. I guess he's got another tour on uh, Route 66. Yeah, I don't think he's using the flatbed Ford, though. I think he's got a nice band that he's traveling in. Yeah. Spreader van. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. We, you, you sort of wanted to finish up on some of the conversation we were having last week about uh, places to go see the fall color. It's not going to last much longer, I don't think. As soon as we get a storm that passes through here, a lot of these leaves are going to get knocked down. But, Russ, uh, Scenic Byway 12, one of our favorite places to ride motorcycles yeah, for sure. There's some gorgeous places there. There's a lot of places you're not going to see. A lot of trees, but then when you get into it, it's phenomenal. I have yeah. not. I'm trying to remember if I've been, Mark, uh, up as far as uh, Tory coming in from the Bryce side, but it's kind of that stretch of road you wanted to talk about. You have been there, Have too. I? Yeah. You always had to we, we sat in an ice cream shop while you recorded a commercial. <laughs> okay. All right. I got you. Yeah. Uh, but that is a fantastic stretch of road. It is. And, you know, between the town of uh, Torrey and Boulder going south on, on Byway 12, Scenic Byway 12, this is one of the top 10 scenic highways in America, according to Car and Driver magazine. And uh, that section of road goes up over 9,000 feet, kind of it skirts the edge of the Boulder Mountain Plateau. And it's just it's just going to be all colored up and beautiful right now. It You know, the, interestingly, they brought mail from Torrey down to Boulder up until 1974 by mule, because that was the only way to get across the mountain. Mm. I'll quit complaining about delivery times at my house. <laughs> you know, there's there's those those uh, pullover spots, those those view areas on Highway 22. After you get past, uh, after you get past Bold, Boulder, Boulder. Well, you know yeah, what I mean. Those big wide areas. Yeah, where you have an overlook, yeah. you look for hundreds of miles off of those spots. You've got what's called Homestead Overlook there yeah. and Larb Hollow Overlook. Yeah, Those two, look. you're looking east across the right. whole expanse of Capitol Reef National Park, right. 70 miles long. And then you got the Boulder, excuse me, the, the Henry Mountains mm-hmm. out there in the distance. That's what you're seeing out yeah. there in the distance, and those go up over 11,000 feet. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of great stop. When you're going on 12, stop at every pullout, every view area. Yeah. Don't hesitate. Uh, that would be always be my suggestion is don't be in a hurry to yeah. get to wherever. Make sure you uh, enjoy the ride along and the we way. Always, we always make new friends at the pool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other spot you wanted to talk about was Fairview to Huntington, and this is going to bring mm-hmm. back some memories of our border-to-border ride with uh, Skyline uh, Drive up there. Right, right. And this popped up on my memories on Facebook the oh, other man. day where some of the photos of the beautiful fall colors that we rode through so many yeah. years ago on side-by-sides. Uh, but this is another good one, Mark. It is. You know, one of the fun memories I have of, of Fairview Canyon and this road that goes over to Huntington is is there's a big crook neck in the, uh, as you go up the canyon a ways, and all the people over in Fairview, Mount Pleasant, Spring City, even down to Ephraim, Manti, Moroni, all those folks that like to ski and snowboard, 
there's a, that crook neck there, and, and parents would run up to that, that, that switchback, if you want to call it that, and they'd run up to the upper side of the switchback, drop their kids off, and say, see at the bottom of the switchback, and the kids would snowboard or ski down to and that was the ski resort on in Fairview Canyon. So yeah. Kind of <laughs> yeah, the price was right. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember, Russ, if that picture that came up, do you remember we were up by a uh, cell phone tower or some we kind were, of transmission tower? Monroe Mountain. Monroe. Yeah, that's a great place. And I, you might need a Jeep or something, but I don't. I doubt it. Yeah. You can get up on top of that. That's a good view. There are some places in the lower elevations, Mark, that are coloring up right now, too. There are, and you know, just just to finish up on this highway uh, thirty one yeah. goes over the mountain. You've got a lot of lakes up there as well. So yes, the colors are are really great. They're probably eight and nine thousand feet right now, and they're going to stay that way through the weekend at least. And then they're going to make their way lower. And what you're going to see is as you go into uh, some of the lower elevations around the state, you're still going to have some great color, mm-hmm. and especially in the southern part of the state, down by Kanab, uh, Zion National Park. One of my favorite other memories is to hike from uh, the Kolob section of Zion National Park, just off 515, into Kolob Arch. There's about a seven-mile hike into Kolob Arch, and the cottonwood trees going down Laverkin Creek are all dropping their leaves, and the leaves are floating down the river, and you got all that red sandstone 2,000 feet above you. Ooh. And it was one of the prettiest memories of my life, and that's, in, that's a usually a November experience. Oh. So we still got some time for southern utah for fall colors all right uh boy you paint a perfect picture of that i was about to volunteer to take that hike with you until you told me it was seven miles is that seven miles each way <laughs> that's seven miles each way so you, you go in, <laughs> are there any convenience stores on that trail <laughs> i think there's a hot dog on a stick yeah you know, you're right there you're right below there <laughs> russ needs a spot to buy his rock star along the way all right, um, Mark, it's Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark.com. Mark Wade, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Good to talk with you. We're going to talk more fall color. We'll find out what things look like up around Christmas Meadows when we check in with uh, Roger Egg at Bear River Lodge coming up in a minute. He told me it's 22 to, or 28 degrees up there this morning. Ooh, on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.